and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at Luke chapter 9 in its entirety and looking at three different conversations that Jesus has revolving around the cost of discipleship. We'll see the questions that these three different people ask are probably not much different than statements we make in our own lives at different times. I'm looking forward to seeing what this means for us. I hope you are too. So grab your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9, and let's dive in. Over the last couple weeks, we've been taking a look at Luke chapter 9, and specifically 9.23, and the famous passage where Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, one of the things that I've talked about a lot is is that this isn't the first time Jesus has made this statement. The way that it is written in the Greek is one that is a very repetitive statement. Jesus has been asked this a bunch. I liken it to that family road trip where you're on the road and someone keeps on asking, are we there yet? Even though you just left the house on an eight-hour journey. Yet, that doesn't stop people from asking Jesus. And so I thought it would be good for us today as we look at the cost of discipleship, we look at what it means for us to be bold and take up our cross. We could take a look at what it means for us to wholeheartedly follow Jesus and not let things of this world get in the way. And and really what I'm saying here is we're too easily distracted by urgent things of this life, whether it's our material desires, our physical comforts, that sometimes we fail in our commitment to God. And and it's not just us, right? Uh, it, it is something that is prevalent in our society, but it was also something that was very uh, prevalent in in the time of Jesus. In fact, in Luke chapter 9, we see these three conversations that happen with three different people. And I want to take a look at, at all three of these people. And, and we'll discuss it a little bit. And I'm going to start by reading uh, verses 57 to 62 in Luke chapter 9, knowing that we've read verse 23 over the last couple weeks multiple times. Uh, and this is how, how it goes. Now, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds, have, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the ninth chapter of of Luke, Jesus is busy ministering in Galilee. Uh, And in the passage above, Jesus finds himself meeting three different people while journeying on the road. The first person here was an unnamed disciple. He might have the right mind to follow Jesus. In fact, that is what Jesus always commands us to do. Uh, Using John 10, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. In fact, it must be appreciated that Jesus did not call this person and ask him to follow him, unlike how he called Peter and the disciples in Matthew chapter 4. But what was the Lord's reply? He said that he wanted to follow him, and Jesus responds in, in verse 58 and says, 
The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, like he does so many times, doesn't give a direct, straightforward answer to any of his questions. Uh, Rather, he described a situation in which he was living at that moment. Jesus explained to the man the level of his comfort and possessions. In other words, Jesus was trying to explain to the man that following Jesus may require that even his basic needs might be needed to be sacrificed. Later, we do not hear anything about this man. (laughs) Uh, Probably he left the place and that's why nothing is mentioned about him thereafter. Or perhaps this man wanted to follow Jesus, thinking that it would bring him fame and comfort. Remember, there were great crowds following Jesus. Jesus, knowing the intent of the heart, explained his situation instead of replying with a yes or no. When the man learned of the difficulties that Jesus had faced and was facing and currently faced, he is no longer willing to follow. We read of actually another such person in Mark chapter 10, where there was a young man who who was confronted by Jesus with a choice between himself and worldly possessions. However, the young man left the place saddened because he preferred his material possessions over Christ. And and that's the challenge for us in in this first person is, is saying that many of us are guilty of the same and how often we may be unwilling to give up something for the sake of Christ and give up something and be unwilling to give up something for the sake of his for the sake of his kingdom. Again, this is very important as we look at this and again, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That is a bold statement that this first person makes to Jesus. However, reality starts to set in when there is the cost of discipleship. Remember, this is that that main statement that we've made around every corner in this series which is just saying that Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost your life. That takes us to the second person in this story. All right. Uh, and, and Jesus is following this costly picture of that Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And so when I say that Jesus had to repeat this a lot, literally 40 verses later, Jesus is repeating himself again in the same narrative. But let's get to the second person here. The next, Jesus met another person on the road. This man was called by Jesus to follow him. And if we read in verse 9, it's a verse 59, I should say, it says, Then he said to another, Follow me. This person was unwilling, was not unwilling, but rather said, God or Lord, let me first go and bury my father. The usage of the word first shows the priorities of the person. Uh, He wanted to perform all of his commitment to his family before following Jesus. However, it doesn't sound like an unreasonable request. It was the duty of the eldest son to bury the father. And you'll notice the reply given by Jesus in verse 60. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and you preach the kingdom of God. Now, this sounds harsh, and I'm sure you agree with me in this. It sounds correct that he must go and and bury his his dead father, uh, but then Jesus gives other orders. And again, it sounds harsh, but we must understand that Jesus would definitely not forbid the man from attending to the funeral arrangements for his father. He himself went to visit the the grief with family when his friend Lazarus uh, 
and, and at the death of Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 1 through 16. So what was Jesus trying to say here? Uh, and and to do to take a look at that, we really should understand the true meaning. We must know the Jewish cultural background, and, and I hope you indulge me in this as we as we go through it. On first reading, it seems that this is a conversation that took place between the death of the man's father and his proper burial. However, in those times, Jewish people buried the dead usually within twenty four hours. And the family member sat around the deceased body until it was buried. If the father had already died, his son would be not walking on the road and communicating with Jesus. Rather, he would be sitting at home with his family in mourning. What then was the nature of the request, we have to ask. Uh, and there's really two possible situations that could come here. So again, you can see how understanding a bit of the cultural background gives a bit of this story. So the first option that a situation that we can see might be happening here is um, is again giving us a look into that Jewish burial practice. After the body was placed in the tomb, it was left to decompose, and the entire family mourned the dead for seven days. Follow this primary mourning period was a less intense 30-day period of mourning. However, the entire mourning period was not fully completed until the flesh of the deceased had decomposed, usually about a year later. It was only then that the final mourning act takes place. That means gathering the bones and putting them into a bone box. Uh, And this is usually referred to as the second burial. This burial uh, custom also appears in, in many other cultures, but you actually see this today if you're on the Mount of Olives uh, and right beside the Mount of Olives overlooking the old city of Jerusalem is the most expensive plot of of land in the world, which is sold in in square inches, not in square feet. And that is a, a cemetery which ho- is, is home to the boxes of those or the ossuaries of of Jewish people who've passed away. And it's overlooking the old city with the thought of really they'd get the the first look of the Messiah coming. Uh, and and so we have to understand that it really takes a year for the burial process to happen from start to finish. Again, the body was placed in a tomb within 24 hours of the death. The family mourned for seven days, then a less intense period of 30-day mourning, and then finally, the final mourning takes place after an entire year. All right, so the so the situation could be that the father had died, and the man was asking time to be with his family until the second burial, saying, hey, can I take a year, and then can I follow you? That being said, that is why Jesus was asking him instead to preach the gospel. Jesus meant that unnecessary rituals are less important than the kingdom of God. And, and that's a very important takeaway from that, of, of what is a ritual in our lives that may have taken more prominence than preaching the gospel. And, and so Jesus is really giving a lesson on priorities here. The second option that we could see here is that it could be that the man's father was still alive. And on asking for permission to bury his father, he was asking Jesus to let him take care of his father during his last years until he finally died. 
This was a common saying in the day, and we see this in other literature from historians around this time. So the person meant that he would follow Jesus once his family responsibility was over and he had nothing else to do. This meant that the man was asking for a very long time before he actually had to follow Jesus. Now, uh, as we've looked a little earlier, uh, and we've seen in Matthew 19, 29, that passage where it says, And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and, in- and inherit eternal life. Jesus is giving a challenge in Luke in Matthew chapter 19 about not neglecting your higher spiritual calling. In fact, uh, continuing uh, with with bold statements that Jesus has made, we studied just a couple weeks ago about what it meant for when Jesus said to hate your mother, to hate your father, to hate your brother, to hate your sister, to hate your family as a contrast to loving him. He was talking about priorities. So this situation could definitely fit into one of the two. Regardless of what it is, Jesus was looking for disciples who were ready to give up whatever could hold them back. And Jesus was concerned that the man was using a family situation for an excuse for delaying his discipleship. He told the person that the spiritual dead can attend to routine tasks of life themselves. Focus on your spiritual calling. The same is true with each and every one of us. Each one of us who have accepted Jesus has a call of God in our lives, and Jesus wants us to focus that priority on our calling. And so that's two conversations that we've covered, uh, and both revolving around priorities. Now, the third person, it says in Luke 9, 61, it says, Another person also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go bid farewell to those who are in my house. This person actually gives back an excuse. He was ready to follow Jesus. He just had one other thing that he had to do and bid farewell to those in the house. Again, it sounds very reasonable, and we find another person making a similar excuse in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, where it says, So he departed from there and found Elijah, son of Shaphat, uh, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he, and he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed, uh, passed by him, threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen, using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah to become his servant. Well, what you have here is this story of Elijah and Elisha, and Elisha had a similar excuse. He asked Elijah to allow him to bid farewell to his family, and Elijah didn't hinder. For those of you who have kids, no doubt you have had this conversation before when you say, hey, I need you to do something, and the reply is, just a second. Now, I know that's a phrase, just a second, but I know it takes more than just a few seconds for whatever they're finishing because I can come back two minutes later and it's saying, and the response is still just a second. What does Jesus reply to this man in Luke 9, 62? It will always see it. But Jesus said to him, no one 
having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so what does Jesus mean by this saying is something that we we probably should dive a little deeper into. Jesus lived in an agricultural age. And so Jesus used the phrase, used this phrase so that it went home to the personal experience of the people who were hearing it. That's what made Jesus so good is that that he spoke to the context that the people were in. If the plowman had to get his job done, the eye of the plowman must look straight before him at the line that is in front of him as he's starting to plow the field. Looking back while working would make his plow line crooked and and ruin his entire work. And if that happens, the the field he is plowing would fail to yield a 100% harvest. So you can see how he's talking in agricultural terms to to use this. If I'm putting this in, in my terms, uh, let's talk golf for a second. And and one of the things that I often say and find myself saying, and I have to say it to myself, not just to uh, people that I'm I'm helping, is you got to keep your eye on the ball. And up until the moment you hit it and just keep your head down, rather than looking up immediately to see where the ball is going, you want to stay focused on the task at hand. The moment you look up is the moment you're, you've taken your eye off the ball, which is the sole focus of swinging the club, hitting the ball. Jesus is saying for this in agricultural terms, you need to keep your eye on the direction that you are called and the direction that you're going. And so here he's using this phrase that is also one that most likely, since most people were well-versed in Old Testament back then, they would have recognized as uh, some uh, a statement from the Elijah story of First Kings. Now, to summarize all of this, uh, for where we are, as followers or disciples of Jesus, we must first be ready to sacrifice our com- our comforts, that's the first person, our rituals, that's the second person, our priorities and our relations. That 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 is what Jesus sums up in in Matthew 16:24. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. An echo of Luke chapter 9. What does it mean to take up the cross? It it means our natural desires and passions must be doomed. We must burn our own desires and pave the way for for the will of God in areas of our areas of our life. And and we must do that in a way that is allowing us to keep our focus on God. This is true in our lives in in so many ways. We try to lay aside the cross in certain areas of our lives uh, that would make us unsuccessful in following Jesus. And so as we, we finish up here today, I want us to take a moment and maybe ponder some questions. The first person was unwilling to let his comfort go. So the question we have for us today is, what comfort or possession are you willing to release to follow Jesus more wholeheartedly? The second question is, the second person had other priorities which he considered more vital than following Jesus. So what priorities have you placed before your obedience to Jesus? And the third person gave more importance to his family than Jesus. And let's not forget the question asked by Jesus to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? In John chapter 21, our love for Jesus must be over and above our love for anything and anybody else. 
So the challenge for today as we've examined this taking up the cross and what this means is again a state coming from a statement we've seen from Jesus over and over and over. We must set aside our priorities and focus on Jesus and make Jesus the sole priority. Make our obedience to Jesus the sole priority over our rituals, over our possessions, over the things that we like to do, over the comfort foods that we may have in order to build God's kingdom. As Jesus says, to go and preach the kingdom of God. I think I'll leave it there for today, and that leaves us with some some pretty good questions to ask of ourselves as we look at this passage. Next week, we're going to finish off at 923, but I thought it would be good for us to take a look at these conversations all revolving around this one statement in 923. And we can see how this is not the first nor the last time Jesus will have to have this conversation, but his answer stays the same no matter what. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you're enjoying this bold series. So take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.